All right, we're going to go live with my buddy Ross at the Crazy Elk Company. There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Western Huntsman Podcast. This is Jim Huntsman, your host, and I'm coming at you from the Broken Town Studio right here in Clark Fork, Idaho. The very sunny and the very hot Clark Fork, Idaho, <laughs> I might add. Um, I am speaking with Ross this week from the Crazy Elk Company. Ross, what's your last name, man? Uh, Sharp. Ross Sharp. Sharp. Okay, yep. that's what I thought, but then I, I was like kind of drawing a blank because I'm. Uh, that's what I do when I'm, uh, you know, uh, under pressure. I, I start going blank. Um, but... Ross Sharp is joining me. We've been threatening to do this episode for I don't know how long now, man. Like a year? Yeah. 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 Things kept popping up where you had to cancel. Like I think the first time was when uh, your place got snowed in there pretty hard. And then, yes. You know, yeah. Some other things have popped up. But, you know, <laughs> here now. So it's all good. We're here. We're going to we're going to make this happen, brother. Um, Sweet. This is this is going to be cool. So I got to start off by saying uh, yesterday I received this really cool package in the mail. And it is a, a Crazy Elk Company hat that has a diaphragm reed holder on the side. So that is going to become my hat for September this year. Because I always go into the field with a new hat, Ross. I don't know about you, but uh, I, I like to I like to go with a new hat every year. Unless I get super lucky. I've had a couple of them where I think there's some kind of, uh, I don't know, luck attached to it. Or, or uh, I, I'm not super superstitious, but uh, superstitious enough. What about you? Uh, I'm not too superstitious. I kind of, you know, go with whatever I got. I mean, I have, you know, when I'm rifle hunting, I have uh, my blaze orange hats, and I only wear them, you know, you know, a couple weeks a year. So yeah. I just keep wearing those year after year. But like my camouflage hats and stuff, yeah, because I, I tend to go through them a lot. So mm-hmm. every year yeah. I probably, you know, I get a new one. Um, but I, I too, you know, I like that reed holder hat, and it's it's proven to be helpful so far. Yeah, man. Um, and then it, the the package also came with a like a license pouch thing that you can attach with these zip tie deals uh, right to the antler. Yeah, um, that's that's the tag wallet. Mm-hmm. Um, the, oh, tag wallet. Yep, I, I was calling. Yeah. I was saying it wrong. Yeah, it's the tag wallet. Uh, you can't put your license in there if you want and just you know uh, keep it in your pack when you need it. But um, the premise of it basically was. I got, you know, checked a couple times one year, and I kept having to untape my uh, electrical tape. And after you do that a while, it doesn't stick anymore. And I was, there had to be a better way, so I just kind of started working on some things. And I think the version you have that I sent you was about my fourth, my my fourth attempt at, you know, getting it down getting it down yeah and i think it's it's pretty i don't think i can capitalize on it any better it's pretty it's, bulletproof i mean it's pretty slick it's pretty slick i'm i'm uh, i i've never had 
So the what you're talking about with having to take the the tape off and back on and all that kind of stuff, um, I know exactly what you mean because the tape. I was worried. This was a few years ago. I was worried that the tag was actually going to just like completely fall off, and and then I'd be you know basically running that thing down off the mountain illegally. And right. and so that is. It's interesting when people like you come up with solutions to problems that we kind of know exist but don't know how to fix. You know what I mean? And yeah. Like I, I would have never thought of something like that. And so I, I think it's great. It's going in my pack for sure. Um, and I'm going to use it I because I have a spot for my tags, but I'm going to use that for exactly what you said. I'm going to um, use those zip tie deals to put it right right to the antler base down there and just just hold it so if i'm getting checked a few times it's we're all set no no uh, harm no foul i'll take the electric tape actually i'll probably keep the electric tape in the pack so oh and thanks for the stickers man i love the stickers so oh, thanks one's going on my favorite coffee mug and the other one's going on my bow case so, oh cool pretty cool so so ross i i heard you uh that again this was uh we were talking before we recorded i i did hear you when you were on with guy over at western contours uh, and and that was a great podcast, but it's been a while. And so, can you give us uh, give us the bird's eye, man? Uh, who's Ross Sharp, and and what is Crazy Yelp Company? Ross Sharp. Uh, I started hunting when I was twelve. Um, my uncle got me into hunting. I was kind of not in, didn't. I grew up kind of not in the greatest neighborhood, I guess you can say. And the people that were my really good friends. Um, I started getting in a lot of trouble with, and was that was um, that in Western Washington? Yeah, it was okay. just out in, in the suburbs of Tacoma area, um, and my it was mainly my aunt really. Uh, we're a really close family, and um, they only lived a few miles away. And my uncle was a big time hunter and fisherman, and you know he started taking me fishing um, when I was really young. And you know, I mean, I like fishing, but I like hunting more. Mm-hmm. Um, but he Dude. wouldn't take me, he wouldn't take me hunting until uh, I was 12, and he he drove me here in Washington. Um, if you're born um, after January 1st, 1972, you have to take a uh, hunter's safety course. Yep. And um, so he drove me for two weeks straight every day after school for two hours. He drove me to the class and he just sat in the back while I, while I went through the class and then then he took me hunting. Um, and from that point on, I was addicted. Uh, when I was younger, I didn't really learn a lot from my uncle. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I didn't, I didn't basically because I was always, uh, the, the, the runner, like they would always send me down canyons to chase the elk out the other side so they could get the shot (laughs) or, or, you know, sometimes my uncle's thing was he didn't want me to move. And so he would just put me in a clearing and, you know, put me in a chair and he'd say, sit here until I come get you. And this is what you're looking for. If you see it, shoot it type thing. So I really didn't learn, you know, some of that sounds pretty familiar, man. (laughs) I really didn't (laughs) learn a lot about hunting until, you know, I got in my twenties and I started going out with myself and my buddies. Um, and one of my high school friends, they were big archers and, uh, so I, I was an archer at the time, but I'd go with them all the time, and I just loved it. And now I archery hunt as well as rifle hunt. It just depends on where I'm at and what I'm doing. Yeah. But uh, I like the whole thing. Um, 
and I did, you know, been doing that. Yeah. Since I was 12 and I just love the outdoors and I've always wanted to be a part of the outdoors and never could figure out, you know, should I just quit what I'm doing and try to go work for somebody? But I'm not really a yes man. Mm-hmm. And so I have problems sucking up to people and things like that. And so, <laughs> so, um, so you and I are going to be like peas in a pod, man. We have authority problems, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you I know, you. I, I don't cause conflict or anything, but I don't know. I just, I like doing things my way for the most part. And um, yeah. it's proven to be pretty fruitful as far as that goes. And it wasn't until I met my wife that I really had the desire to, I don't know, I guess she just kind of lit an energy in me to try to do more than just go out and be a hunter. Yeah. And that's when I actually had that, that moment when I was in the field and I had an elk down and I was field dressing it and I had a game warden come up to me in plain clothes. You know, he talked to me like he was a hunter. And then all of a sudden he's like, you know, show shows his badge he's like hey can i see your your tag huh and i you know so he, 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 he kind of snuck in like undercover like huh yeah huh. and uh and so you know i had to i was using electrical tape at the time so i had to un, untape it and then you know show it to him and you know everything was kosher and but then that tape wouldn't really stick as well so i had to retape it again and then i hiked me and my buddies were on our way out hmm. and we, we got to the truck and, you know, it wasn't super far. It was like two miles. We got back to the truck, and there's a game warden waiting for us. And he asked for the tag as well. And I'm like, I just showed it to your buddy down there. And he's like, yeah, you probably did, but I need to see it, you know, blah, blah, blah. Wow. So I went through the whole thing. And then from that moment on is when I'm like, okay, this taping and untaping thing is a – I can, I can work on it better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's interesting, man. Uh, the, the, why I find that super interesting is because you guys must have a shitload of game wardens in uh, in Washington or something. Because um, in all the years that I've hunted Idaho, I have never showed a tag to a game warden. I've never had to. And and it's kind of oh, you got a train going on. Yeah. How close are you to those tracks, man? Uh, I'm in the valley, and so it echoes a lot. But I'm about three quarters of a mile from the tracks. Did, does it yeah. does the train sound bug you? Not anymore. I don't even notice it. When I first moved here uh, with my wife, I lived up on the hill. I'd rather still live up on the hill because mm-hmm. here in the valley, we're in the Mount Rainier. If it ever blows, basically my house is going to be covered. Um, and uh-huh. you got like you, we have all these lahar warnings, uh, practice things that go off. Um, they basically say from where I live, if Mount Rainier blows. On this side of the mountain, we got like 40 minutes to get out of Dodge and up the hill. Oh, wow. Um, Holy crap, but, man. That's you know, the hill, the hill from my house is, you know, three quarters of a mile to the east and then about a mile and a half to the west. So I can pick each one, but it's just going to be, you know, traffic and all that stuff. But, yeah, the, the, the <laughs> train leaves the valley. So. No, I, I ask that. I, I just – I'm super curious with uh, – <laughs> Some uh, we've had a lot of guests lately at the on the property here, and we have we have a train track that is like kind of hidden behind a mountain, so you can't hear it. Like I could hear the train through your phone better yeah. than I can hear it here on the property, but I actually like the sound. It reminds me of being a kid because I grew up by some railroad tracks. So, uh, anyway, 
side, totally side subject. So what what I was what I was getting at there, Ross, is is uh, you know I I've been checked for when I'm fishing for a fishing license in the right. state of Idaho, but I've never I've literally never been checked in the state of Idaho uh, for a tag and uh, on on a whatever species whatever I've harvested there and it's kind right. of been annoying because I I want to talk about it to somebody so I want them to come check so we can we could go uh, you know banter back you know obviously I like to talk hunting right right <laughs> so uh, so getting checked by two in one day that happened to me in Utah Utah I got checked all the time but in Idaho I yeah man I never get checked yeah I I wouldn't say that Washington has a lot of game wardens actually I think they're pretty understaffed at the moment. I think they all are, um, yeah. But uh, that one year that it happened, from what I drew from talking to the wardens, um, they were really ganging up on that area because they heard rumors of some poaching or oh yeah uh, something else. So they had a lot of game wardens because, like, normally – so I've hunted elk in the Blue Mountains for 30 years, mm-hmm. and most of the times I never even see warden. Um, I think in the 30 years I've been there, I've only seen maybe five. Um, Mm -hmm. And that that one year, we kept seeing the same game wardens over and over and over all week long because I think they were looking for somebody. Well, that's that's what my buddy Steve Roberts, uh, who's a game warden here, kind of down in southeast Idaho. That's what he said is if if there's a problem like reports of poaching or road hunting or spotlighting or whatever, that's where they start concentrating a lot of effort. And because I was kind of giving him a hard time about. Um, I, I, I'm like, man, this, this whole setting up a decoy thing is like kind of a form of entrapment in my opinion. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm explaining that to him and he, he was like, well, it's not like a random thing. They don't just go out and do that. What they're doing is they've been getting reports about, you know, somebody road hunting or spotlighting at night. And so they go out there and they set up the decoy to catch the people that have been doing it. And so that's probably what was going on over in your neck of the woods. Yeah, they're, they're, I don't know what it was, um, but po- poaching is a problem everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. And the other two times that I've actually uh, met wardens was because I actually turned in a poacher. Um, oh, nice. And the one warden that was in that area, we, we you know, had her phone number. We've talked a lot since then. He, he actually, when I was thinking of the tag wallet um, idea, I reached out to him saying, hey, you know, would this be a legal way to tag your animal in in the state of Washington? And he, you know, he said, heck yeah, it is. And then, you know, he actually gave me numbers of other wardens of other states because I wanted to make sure that I could get this out there to you know, legally yeah. and not cause anybody any problems. Like, hey, you know, I was hunting in Wyoming and I used your tag wallet, but then I got in trouble because it's not the proper way to tag. But Wyoming okayed it and all that stuff, so it was all good. I'm sure it's good everywhere. I mean, what's the difference? You're either going to tape it to the base of the antler there, or on, right. on the ant on the on the horn, and on, and uh, and it'll be fine. Which kind of creates two problems, like the one that you said where you're constantly taking the tape off, um, or the other thought that I had is I I was packing out a mule deer one time and had it taped to the antler, and it started raining, and it like made the ink on the tag start dissolving and so you couldn't like hardly read it and luckily when i got it back and i took the tag off 
um, the the bottom part where it was like the most critical part, saying it was a you know mule deer tag, whatever. Um, right. It still it was it, it was like dry still, but the top part it was gone, man. Yeah. So. It's, I sent one. I don't know if you've watched it. There was a I think it was last year. Stephen Ronella had a, a Wyoming mule deer hunt, uh-huh. and he he actually lost his tag. Oh really? And, uh, yeah. And the episode they ended up finding it like the next day. Uh, but they had to go back and, you know, basically scour the mountain for it. And when I saw that episode, I called Jason uh, Phelps, I'm referring to. Uh-huh. I'm like, hey, I said, hey, can you get can you get Ranella this tag wallet? And he's like, hey, I'll see what I can do. Um, Jason says he's 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 gave it to him, but I have yet to hear anything back from it. <laughs> well, you might, you know, just just give us some time. He'll, yeah. he'll probably he'll probably use that. I mean, um I you know you gotta imagine somebody like Steve Ronella, <laughs> he's probably getting all sorts of shit all the time you know. Oh, but Jason Jason told me there's basically an uh, an office there at their place full of stuff that he won't even bother to look at. Like, oh really? Yeah, stuff that's not even hunting related and whatever. People just send him stuff because they want him to you know represent them, and it basically just becomes like an employee break room. Oh wow! So if you work there, can you just go through? Like and pick through it and get some free gear. Uh, I'm guessing. I, oh. I'm not really sure. Ha, have you known uh, Have you known Jason a long time? Um, I've known Jason for since 20. Let's see, 2010. Oh, okay. Um, that, which yeah, that's when Phelps Game Calls was uh, pretty new. Yeah, he, he well, I got one of his very first um, external wood calls that you know he used to make oh no kidding yeah um because he used to sell them on this uh website huntingwashington.com and that's wow. how i kind of that's how i got to know him him and uh john gabrio and, and charlie smith and all those guys yeah and uh when he was starting out i had a i had a scouting company it was called bones research and basically people paid me like if they drew like a really high quality tag they would pay me to basically go do all the work for them and um, to help kind of promote that business. I talked Jason into doing a seminar and I want to say I was like his second or third seminar ever back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and after, you know, back then, cause you know, he was still trying to get his name out there. Uh, he actually would bring his diaphragm making machine. And after this seminar, he would make calls for people. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a cool yeah. story, man. I didn't know that. Yeah. Badass. Yeah. So yeah. I've known Jason for a long time and, you know, I've picked his brain, um, a, a few times and, but as of lately, you know, he's, he's pretty hard to get a hold of. He's, you know, with a, with a being owned by a meat eater and business growing yeah, yeah. out of this world. He's, he, he gets really busy, but, yeah. um, he, you know, he's, he's still, no matter how busy he is, he's always friendly, and you know, he's given me advice. Um, I still have some stuff I want to pick his brain on, but yeah, no, Jason's a really yeah. good guy. Well, you know that that's that's the thing with uh, what I talk about in the ad because they, you know, Phelps sponsors this show, and and I, I mean, the 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 crazy thing with all of it is, you know, you 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 always wonder. If you've been kind of out of the loop and you don't know some of these people personally, you know, are they one way in their on their YouTube channel or on their show or, or whatever versus how they really are in person? 
And the the cool part with 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 the sponsorship is I've you know I've been able to get Jason on the show a few times and um you know he's just he's just exactly who he shows himself to be you know and yeah. and so like him and Dirk that that run Phelps it's just a they are who they are just salt of the earth people and that's what I talk about in the ad you know the the calls are great obviously the calls are great. But it's it's not just about that. It's the company and the story behind it, and the, the people that run it is just uh, it's it's great stuff. So that that brings me to the Crazy Elk Company. Is are, are I think you were kind of getting to it, but is that what started the Crazy Elk Company? Was this uh, the the tag wallet? Yes, the tag wallet. As of right now, I mean, you know, yes, I have shirts and hats, and I have Nalgene bottles. Um, but the tag wallet was my first original product, mm-hmm. um, and we launched literally one month. Actually, it was probably like three weeks before the whole country shut down with the COVID thing. Oh, no kidding, huh? Yeah, and so that you know kind of made things you know hard in itself trying to launch, and you know thanks to social media, my name got out there a little bit you know better, mm-hmm. and. You know, the company's been growing every year, um, and I have other projects. Like, actually, tomorrow I'm driving up north to go meet somebody who I've been working with for, like, I don't know, six months to try to get this other product, just um, a pro- prototype done. Um, but COVID has really screwed up the p- supply chain, you know. Oh, tell and, me about it, man. Yeah, tell and me for about guys it. Like, for guys like me who – don't have the funds to buy 50,000 units, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, because that's where, you know, they, those guys always get priority. So I always get pushed back and, you know, put on the waiting list. And, um, but, you know, thank goodness this is not my full-time job as of yet. Um, we're getting closer to where that'll probably be that way. Um, what do you but, do? What do you do outside of that? Uh, I, do wine and liquor for Costco wholesale. Oh, nice. Um, that's my full-time job. I've been there 32 years. Uh, and I don't know. Yeah. 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 My, uh, my, my wife could pick your brain about that. She's like a, she, she thinks she's a wine connoisseur. Yeah. There's a lot of people who think that way. And some of them, and some of them are. And then there's, you know, these people that try to talk to me, ask me about wine and want me to pick something for them. And so, you know, I ask them, <laughs> what do you I mean? Like, kind of like, like what, they, what, what, wine, like what wine goes with this? I look, in their, I, I look in their cart and they got this $3 bottle that's not very good. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> I, I wish my wife drank $3 wine. I, I wish. <laughs> and I made the mistake. This was like five years ago for uh, our anniversary. I bought her like this $40 bottle of wine. And like now she can't go back. She can't go back um, to the cheaper $10, you know? And yeah. so, uh, so anyway, those of you listening, if you wouldn't mind getting on the westernhuntsman.com and buying a couple of t-shirts or something that helps me fund the wine. No, I'm totally kidding. But um, <laughs> so the, that that begs the question, what wine pairs best with an elk steak, man? Well, I personally like uh red blends. Like the um, the Cabernet Savag, Savagnon or whatever the Cabernet Savagnon. Yeah, yeah. That, that that is a red wine. That is not actually a red blend. I'm well. To be honest with you, almost every red wine is a blend of something. Like a Cabernet Savagnon 
there's not very many wines out there that are just straight Cabernet Sauvignon uh, grapes. There's always a mix of other grapes in there. Oh, but it, okay. if the major percentage of that wine is that grape, then they can call that, you know, like, let's say, uh, well, what's the company I'm thinking of? Like there's uh, one here locally called Brown. And they make a pretty good cab. Um, the Cabernet Sauvignon grape is only like 65% of the grapes. The other 35 or 35% is a mix of Merlot and Syrah, you know, stuff huh. like that. And that's yeah. just. Uh, here's a super dumb. This will show you how dumb I am with this kind of stuff. Because, uh, Ross, the only thing I know about wine is that when I drink it, I get a terrible hangover. And so I don't. I don't drink it. Okay. Um, but my There's my, a way to avoid that. Oh, Go look. Like drink look water? For, no, well. You could do that, but look for wine. And in the United States, it's really hard, but there are organic wine companies. Um, you want wine without sulfates. A lot of oh, people that get headaches, okay. a lot of people that get headaches from wine is because of the sulfate in the wine. Yeah, and that's what it does. And it's not the night like, like I can have a glass and and everything's fine. Uh, but that usually leads to like two or three glasses, and then the next day I have a terrible headache. Like it, it kicks my ass. Um, what uh, what I was going to ask is like what is the difference between red wine and white wine? What I, uh, obviously I know there's a color, but there's a lot of red white wines. Uh, well, like you mean like like a Zinfandel or a rose, rosé? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's just the, it's the grapes and you know how they. Gotcha. The color of the skin and all that stuff. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Right. You know, and certain grape certain grapes grow better in certain parts of the world. Um, so like. Is that you know, why Western like, Washington has so many grape uh, or wine wine farm or what? Are, what do you call those vineyards? Vineyards. Vineyard. Yeah. Western Washington. Of- Western Washington itself does not have a lot of vineyards, but there's a lot of Western Washington wine companies. But they get all their grapes from Eastern Washington. I guess that's uh, true. Like like you see a ton in like Wenatchee and Yakima and down by the Tri Cities, bunch of vineyards down there. Yeah, uh, Walla Walla. Yeah, Walla Walla. Yeah, it has a ton. One, yep. one of my favorite places growing up, pheasant hunting. Uh, we weren't allowed to hunt there once they started selling their grapes to a, a vineyard because the vineyard didn't want like accidental BBs in their grapes and stuff. Um, oh, that's kind of interesting. Stuff. There's some great pheasant hunting south of Spokane, man. Um, that I, God, what the heck's the name of that county? I don't want to say the county actually on the show because there, <laughs> <laughs> there'll be some pheasant hunters in Wash, Washington who come after me with a pitchfork. But well, uh, maybe you maybe you can tell me afterwards because I yeah, just I got can. myself a new GSP. Oh yeah, you need to be his first his first hunting season this okay, year. Okay, I tell you what, if you if you want to come out, I'll get the non-res tag and we'll go we'll go pheasant hunting where where I'm talking about cuz it it is pretty fantastic. It Sweet. is pretty fantastic. So, uh, yeah, I love pheasant hunting, man. So, yeah, uh the that's I guess I kind of cut you off there and we went uh, we, we th- this is what we do on the show, right? We kind of go all over the place, but um, <laughs> We're ta- we're talking about crazy elk company, and next thing you know, you're defining all the different wines that go great with elk. Oh, that's what it was. But so so a red mix, a red blend goes a, a good with blend. elk meat. Yeah, and you okay. know everybody everybody has their different taste. Like you know people coming to me and they say, hey, you know what's a really good wine? And I'm like, you know that is impossible for me to tell you because some people like really oaky wines, some people like really um, smooth, you know, crisp wine. Some people, you know, so it's, it's really different. So I just basically my, like, I just tell them like what the wine is and what it, what it's, you know, flavors are like. 
and then let them decide from there. Gotcha. Um, if you if you ever go to into a Costco, like especially on the wine tables, there's accolades, and in those accolades, you know, there's a point system, which the point system is kind of a joke. They usually say any wine over 90 points, you know, is is really good, but you know, we don't need to go into that. But it'll tell you like <laughs> what it'll tell you like what the you know like if it's got a blackberry note, if it's got a plummy note, or hmm. you know. A cigar, like some wines that they you know they they say they have like a cigar taste to it. Yeah, you know stuff like that. So, well, that's yeah. that's the thing with wine, man. Is it's like this cultural thing. And yeah. I remember we we went to this wine tasting thing, and it, like, I mean, for a hillbilly like me, man, I was so out of place at this. Like all these people are are they had all these real fancy descriptions for this wine versus that wine and like they get real articulate and uh descriptive of, as to how they do it and it's just i don't know i like coors light and bourbon and so yeah it just didn't work out for me but my wife loved it so yeah uh, there's I, nothing wrong with bourbons either yeah no 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 bourbon bourbon's fantastic i don't get the headache i, I do with wine so um all right let's circle back to crazy elk company for a minute because yeah. uh that you were talking about, I actually have, I have a product idea I should, I should send you, and I don't know if I should say it on the air, but uh, you might, it might be right up your alley, man. Well, yeah, I'll, I'm always free to suggestions. I've, I've had a lot of people ask me, like, I have a couple individuals in particular that want me to come up. They don't like the game bags that they're seeing on the, on the market, and they want me to come up with something, and you know they. They want, we're going to, I'm going to meet with them and, you know, go through their ideas and see if it's feasible. Mm-hmm. Um, partly, I personally think the game bag market is kind of saturated, but yeah. if you can actually, if you can actually come up with something different and, you know, durable, it's always worth a shot if, if I think I can make it work. Yeah, they've got to be worth the money because yeah. you could spend a shit ton of money on game bags. And right. I did, and the ones I used for my bear this last spring, I was not happy with how those turned. And I'm not going to say the name, but um, for what they cost, uh, I, I could have gone down to, like, Walmart and gotten their cheese bags or whatever, uh, and it would have been better. But, I, oh, okay. yeah, I had flies all over this bear meat. I was pissed. But so, so game bags, I think you're right where it is saturated, but I think that... I think that there's there's a lot of game bags out there that claim to be this big thing, this great thing, and that mm-hmm. they're just not. They're not. Right. Uh, and, and so I, I I think that there is definitely room for somebody to come up with the right kind because game bags are like a touchy thing for me. Because <laughs> you know I, I think it would be for anybody. I mean it can make or break the meat that you just worked your ass on 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 getting right. Yeah. Yeah. So. So what? Yeah, go ahead. Um, so I have, you know, people suggesting stuff like that. And then one of the products and it's, it, I'm kind of getting irritated with how long it's actually taken to get worked out and for me to get it. Um, I gave it to Jason, uh, ran a, you know, I made a couple prototypes and Jason ran it, Dirk ran it, uh, John Gabriel ran it. And, and Jason, these, are, these lo- are for game bags. Uh, no, it's not a game bag. Okay. Uh, I'm really not going to dive into what it is too much, but if you actually watch uh, the loophole video that's dropping tonight, 
uh-huh. John Gabriel. Yeah, I've already um, I've, I've already seen it, man. John gave me okay. gave me secret well, access, and it's it's great. But besides my tag wallet, he's running another one of my products on there, um, and he, John loves it. And but I've when I gave them all, you know, to try. Jason came back with some feedback for me to change, and so that's what I went and did. And now that I've done those changes, I've kind of been put on the back burner by the company um, because they're a little bit more entailed. So it's taken, like I said, way, way longer to to do. But with Jason's input, I think I made him better. So, you know, so now I'm super curious, man. I'm going to have to go back and watch that video, which you're right. Um, Well, this episode is not coming out till next week. But today, the day we're recording, which is what, August 2nd? Yep. Uh, the John John Gabriel's uh, video with Loophold is dropping tonight on YouTube on the Loophold uh, YouTube channel, and yep. it is a great video, man. So I'm gonna have to go back and watch that to see if I can kind of figure out what it is uh, you sent him. It, it is the uh, you if you look at it really carefully, you might be able to see the the my name Crazy Elk on it, but. It's the same color as the tag wallet, and that's all I'll tell you. Oh, you should, okay. be, you should oh. be able to get it from okay, there. Okay, <laughs> something is ringing a bell now. Okay, something is ringing a bell. Uh, I just can't place it. So, And if I did, I wouldn't say it because you're, you're keeping it a secret. <laughs> so um, I'll, I'll go back and check that out. Where would you come up with the name Crazy Elk Company? Uh, well, so Crazy Elk, like I said, when I, when I um, was back on the huntingwashington.com website, Mm-hmm. It was like it was like the first hunting forum I've ever joined, and uh, you needed to come up with a moniker or a you know a, a nickname for your thing, and I've just always been crazy about elk, so I just said, hey, I'm I'm Ross Crazy Elk, and oh, okay. that that was on there forever, and then um, how it got shortened was um, when I met my wife, she worked at this place called the Northwest Territorial Mint. And, um, when we started dating, she put a picture of me up on her, on her desk there or whatever. And one of the lawyers that worked there, he came up and he's like, you know, that guy. And she's like, yeah, we, we just started dating. And, uh, he's like, that's Ross crazy elk. And she's like, what? And he's like, <laughs> he goes, that's Ross crazy elk. And she's like, okay. So she it came sounds, home and told sounds me. Sounds almost like, like an Indian war chief or something. <laughs> right. Uh, so she came home and told me the story and I laughed and, you know, I, and then I went and met him and anyway, we, we talked hunting for hours and days, but, um, when I started to go with the company, you know, I, I couldn't have it, you know, Ross crazy elk, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And so I just shortened it to crazy elk. And then, I don't know, I just thought the company at the end of it gave it a better ring, but mm-hmm. everywhere I go, nobody, nobody says the crazy elk company. They just say, hey, it's Crazy Elk. So maybe when my license is up for renewal, I might go back and change it just to shorten huh. it to Crazy Elk. That'd but, be a tough one for me. I mean, I'm no I'm no business consultant, but for me, I like the name Crazy Elk Company. Uh, I, I think it's like, okay, there's a company there. What do, uh, We need to investigate this because it's Crazy Elk, the Crazy Elk Company. So I don't know. That'd be yeah, a tough well, one. That, that, that was the thought when I first, you know – came up with it but yeah that's true but you're saying everybody said so do you like travel around and do like the the, the hunting show uh, what do they call those the expos and all that if you're anything like me you're always looking for ways to improve your elk hunting skills for september 
and one of my favorite ways is the Elk Collective. It's an absolute game changer in self-education. This virtual elk hunting course has over 150 videos that cover everything from elk calling, strategy, tips, setup, gear, much, much more. There's a bunch of people involved. Some of the best elk hunters in the woods are involved with the Elk Collective, and they've come together to put together this virtual course to help you notch more tags in September. So check it out at theelkcollective.com and use promo code, all one word, the Western Huntsman, for 20 bucks off the entire course. That makes the course only $69. It's a great deal, and I promise if you go through this course, you will go into the Elk Woods with a lot more confidence and a much better chance at notching a tag on the mighty Wap. Hoffman Boots is the boot choice of the Western Huntsman podcast, and it has been for a very long time. I love my Hoffman in the Explorers, in the 6-inch or the 8-inch. Uh, they have all sorts of options for you to check out. Hoffman Boots is my go-to boot because I am a firm believer that when it comes to gear, the one piece of gear you don't want to skip on is boots get really good boots and if you choose to do some hoffman boots you're going to find out why i highly recommend these hunting boots made by a multi-generational family of shoemakers these boots are made right here in north idaho and i've got an excellent deal for you if you choose to go with hoffman boots use promo code all caps lock huntsman 10 for 10 percent off get you some of these boots and find out why i love them uh, they're totally waterproof. They're going to give you great traction on the mountain. They're super comfortable. There's very little break-in period. Can't recommend hopping boots enough. Check it out, guys. Next on the list is Scree Gear. High-octane hunting attire without breaking the bank. You want to go into the field with good camo, right? You want you want camo that works, that'll keep you dry, that'll keep you comfortable. You want layering systems, the merino wool, the rain gear, all the things that make hunting a little bit easier and allows you to stay in the field a lot longer. The problem with most of it is it's super expensive, not with Scree Gear. Scree Gear will give you all the high-end technical gear that you want without having to take out a second mortgage, and that's why I like it. And to make it even better, I've got a promo code, the Western Huntsman, all one word, and that will give you 15% off and free shipping. It's a heck of a deal, guys. I recommend checking out like their bundle packages. They have like the elk bundle or the whitetail bundle or the turkey bundle. All those bundles come with multiple pieces of gear, and you won't regret getting this gear. It's great stuff. Check out Scree at ScreeGear.com. Oh, and you want to call in an elk? Use Phelps Game Calls. I've been using Phelps Game Calls since uh, just about the beginning of Phelps Game Calls. It's a great company story, too. This company started in a little garage and is now one of the premier call companies on um, uh, within the industry. I mean, you can't you can't go wrong with Phelps Game Calls, whether it's turkey calls, predator calls, waterfowl, or especially I think the bread and butter is the elk calls. And I, I use the Maverick. I use the Pink. I use the Gray Amp. Uh, check out the AMP series. If you're new to calling, I recommend getting a couple of different ones and trying them out. Find out which one works best for you. But uh, I promise you I'm not steering you wrong when it comes to Phelps Game Calls. It's a great company full of great people that make excellent products that actually work. And the proof is in the pudding. Call in a lot of elk, and you will too if you trust me, by going to phelpsgamecalls.com. I got Obviously, I got a promo code for you, right? Huntsman 10. Huntsman 10 for 10% off your Phelps Game Calls and check them out. Phelps Game Calls. Get them close. 
Two last items. Check out the Reveal Cell Cams from Tacticam. Whether it is for hunting or security, these are excellent cell cams that I have all over my property. To include, I uh, I put them on some job sites for some security so people I know, if, uh, if they're still in materials or whatever, I'm going to catch them. Uh, and another little promo code I like to throw out there is for Batum907 for anybody that is hunting bears spring or fall and you are allowed to bait. Don't forget to go to Batum907.com. Since made in Alaska, use promo code HUNTSMAN10 for 10% off. The stuff works, and it works well. Let's get back to the show. Here we go. I have not yet, and one reason is because, you know, COVID. like I said, I'm, I'm pretty small. Um and I, like this past year, I went to uh, Salt Lake City for the first time. Uh-huh. And my reason for going there was to see what it entailed, you know, to have a booth. Um, and until I, I'm not going to do a booth, unless I can split a booth with somebody, because I just don't have enough uh, product. I mean, I you know, I have shirts and hats and stuff like that. And I have, you know, the tag wallet, and hopefully by... Next year, I'll have um, the other product we've been talking about. Yeah. But um, until I get more more product, I just don't feel comfortable going in there with just the one thing. Gotcha. That makes sense. You know, you know except there was a there was one guy who, and I, I can talk about it now because he's already released it. Um, so I was working on it for a long time was the drinking system. I personally hate bladder, bladder bags. Um, I've had them leak in my pack. I've had them, you know. Mm-hmm you know, get all my stuff wet. And so I was trying to think of a way to make my Nalgene bottle, basically a bladder. And, but I kept having problems with, I mean, I was using O-rings and stuff at the time, but I kept having problems with the suck when you're sucking on the straw, that because there was no, no way for no airflow. Release, I guess yeah. I could, yeah, I couldn't get the, you know, so I kept having that problem. And so I drilled a pinhole through the top of it and I didn't have a problem. But the only problem with that little pinhole was like this to say if you lean over or you put your pack down and things all of a sudden you got water everywhere. Yeah, leaking on you. And so I was trying to figure out that problem, but then when I went down to the sportsman show, there was a guy there, hard side hydration. Mm-hmm. He, he basically had everything I thought of, but he actually did it. Oh. Um, so I bowed my head to him and I'm like, hey, you know, good for you. Uh, and I bought one, <laughs> and it's great. <laughs> so if you don't what, like, what is it called? It's called hard side hydration. It's hard basically, it goes in your Nalgene, uh, and it re- it comes with a replacement cap for the one that's on your Nalgene, and um, it has like a little nipple on the top that your hose will connect to, and then a straw that goes into your Nalgene. Oh, it pulls right up on Google, hard side yeah. hydration. Oh, I see it. Okay. Huh. Yeah. It's really nifty. And, yeah, that is you know, pretty I, nifty. I showed him the pictures, and actually I made a little video when I was hunting of it and he's like, yeah, that's basically the exact same thing. Except he, he, Shoot. he beat me to the punch. Yeah, that sucks. Well, maybe, maybe I ought to get him on the show. Yeah. I, when I was down that, there, I, I like talked to him. He, when I talked to him, he, he was a pretty neat guy, but that was his only product was, he, you know, is that. So I'm like, well, maybe I can go down there with just the tag wallet, but, um, I'm not ready to do that yet. Uh, well, come over to the Bighorn Show in Spokane. I'll I'll split a booth with you, man. Just for the sake, I'll just sit there and like have my microphone, and we'll record some podcasts and whatever. Oh, that that'd be cool. Be fun. Be fun. I'll yeah. show, I'll uh, I'll sell some stickers for conservation or something. 
So right. <laughs> I don't because I, I, I'm not a product. I don't have products. I have shirts and whatever on a website, but I mean nobody right. wants those anyway. So uh, we'll come up with something else. But next year we're going to expand, and I'm going to start. Uh, I'm going to have a a tent at some of the uh, total archery challenges. Oh yeah, I I think those do pretty well, man. Yeah, I, I, I looked into it this year, but the uh, one date that they had available. Um, over here in Washington at Stevens Pass, conflicted with the family vacation, and oh, you know yeah. I, I'm gone in the woods enough as it is for yep. me to tell the wife, hey, I need to go over here and do this thing. She would she would have just lost her stuff. So yeah, I'm I, yeah same boat here, man. I, I I'm very very careful. Uh, <laughs> so that uh, in fact we're we're actually we're taking off. My my grandma who was 95 years old passed away. Uh, just about three days ago. Yeah, I and saw so, that on Facebook. So we're heading down. We're heading down to Utah uh, for the funeral here in a couple of days. And and um, I I had to because we're living on this homestead. Uh, I had to go. All my dress clothes and stuff are in storage units spread out all over North Idaho, right? And so I don't know where my dress clothes are. So I I went to Goodwill <laughs> and found a pair of slacks for, oh, for nice. this thing. So. Um, but we're we're gonna try to turn that, make it as positive as we can, and turn it into a little vacation. Go stay on my dad's ranch and stuff like that. So uh, it should be should be good. We'll see we'll see how it goes. But yeah, family vacations, man, have to come uh, for for hunters because that is is uh, what do we call that when you have like it's like having a credit in the bank or something. You know what right. I mean? Right. Right. So um, yeah, super important. First of all, like I, I saw that about your grandma on Facebook today, I think it was, and so my condolences on that. Oh, thanks, man. That's hard times, but 95, you know, that's that's pretty good life. Dude, I and I that's what I wrote in the Facebook the the post. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? She was born when the telephones were like these rotary built-in wall systems that you would get on and dial the operator and tell the operator that you're trying to connect to, let's say, the library. Right. And then they would patch you through, and you would have a conversation, and you held the thing up to your ear on the one side and spoke into the little horn on the wall. Right. And when she dies, we've got the iPhone 13 that gives <laughs> – so so in, in perspective, she's – with the iPhones today, you've got more information in the palm of your hands available to you immediately than Calvin Coolidge, the president of the United States, when she was born did at any given time. Right. Like it would take weeks and months to get all that information available to the the president. And so yeah. it's just it's amazing, man, when you think about ninety five years. Ninety five freaking years. It's it's uh blows my mind. Yeah. So anyway, I didn't mean to go down that hole, but No, that's that's all right. Uh I wanna talk about because it's always it's always a big topic in Washington. Uh you got in fact you guys bear season just started, didn't it? Yeah, yesterday. So, because uh, I've seen a, a few people are like, yeah, you know, bear down on opening day or, or whatever. So it's, it starts August 1st, huh? Yep. Um, it For a while there, for a couple of years, they actually started it. Like certain areas started uh, earlier than others, but they tried to make it like a August 15th for some places. And that was because uh, I'm trying to remember how long ago. I want to say it was like five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. There was uh, a kid who shot a lady thinking she was a bear and um, what, which I don't know. 
Yeah. You mistook it, it a was, lady for a bear? Yeah. And, and the thing that really is mind-blowing is she was wearing a blue coat. When, did, did this happen this year? No, it was like five years ago. Huh. And when that happened, you know, all the people screamed, you know, bad hunters, blah, blah, blah. He was a kid. He probably needed to be a little bit more informed. Obviously, he shouldn't point his rifle. I don't think he actually, like, saw a bear. He saw a thing that he thought was a bear, and he shot in that direction, and he killed it. And it happened to be an old Oh, it an killed elderly, her even? Yeah, an elderly lady. Holy cow, and, uh, man. That's terrible. Yeah, it was it was it was a big deal. And then after that happened, because they didn't want conflict between hunters and hikers, they were talking about, you know, pushing the bear season to later to where basically like the hikers aren't out there as much. But um, uh, you know it, it it's come back to August first again, which is good. What is it about one thing? that happens that that obviously yes it is a tragedy um you know there's you you can't imagine as a hunter you know me and you can sit here and talk and be like what in the hell could possibly go through your mind to think that that individual was a bear and start opening fire on it right so so we could sit and and monday night quarterback that all day long but we're we're probably never going to have the actual answer but why is it that when this this thing happens every year? There's thousands of bear hunters, there's thousands of deer hunters. You know, all these uh, all these it, it's it, it's going to be in the millions at some point. Right. Um, when you add it all up nationwide, it's going to be in the millions. Right. And one event happens. Why is it that people have this tendency to want to change the law or create a new law based on one thing that happens? Do you know what I mean? Like I, I know exactly what you mean, and I don't have something an happens. I, I don't know, have an answer for it. I mean, we're talking about like point zero 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 one percent of the time, if that something right. bad happens. Yep. Does that mean we have to change the law for everybody? Yeah, you know what I mean. I, I don't know that that kind of stuff bothers me because it's like at some point we're gonna have so much regulation and so many laws. That we're gonna be walking on eggshells like more than we already are with all the snowflakes out there that you gotta watch what you say, right. um, and and so that that kind of stuff. Which again, I I don't I don't want to like take away from the fact that the lady that was killed that 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 is a super tragic thing. But that doesn't mean we need to go changing everything to try to prevent in the, prevent it in the future because we've been doing this for decades without that happening. And so right. that bad things are gonna happen whether you have laws or not, right? Right. And things like that, you know, and we all know this, there's there's groups out there that they try to keep their pulse on everything. And mm-hmm. if anything negative pops up in the hunting light, they go balls to the wall to try to get things changed. Like, I mean, yeah. seriously, there's more people that die from from drunk driving or just car accidents in general. Car, but we're yeah, not just car to, accidents. But, but, but we're not trying to change those rules because, you know, that's everybody's everybody's freedom and, you know, it's just a car. But, like, when it comes to certain things like with hunting, there's always that group out there that just wants to take it to the extreme. And because of the way things are so accessible now with social media and all that stuff, it mm-hmm. just it just creates this. It spreads like wildfire because of yeah. social media. And, you, you know, the thing is, is, is like the Internet and social media, I think overall th- these are positive things for, for most of us. 
and and it, it it really is a great way like like you and I I don't know that we would have met without social media right you know what I mean so so lots of friendships lots of information is passed there's a lot of things great that are great that come out of social media but when it what you're right when when there's something especially like in the state of Washington where you guys have this this uh, cultural dynamic going on where you've got these these animal rights activists in these like super hostile vegans over there uh in in like <laughs> seattle that you know it's like they're they're sitting just waiting for some bad shit to happen so they can exploit it and try right. to try to better it for their cause which is totally misguided and and it just doesn't have the basis in you know it's not based in reality i guess is the easier way how how do you explain that Ross, like in, in, cause you're, you're a Washington resident. You've seen what happened to the spring bear. You've yep. seen, you see this stuff all the time. They, they're exploiting this, this poor lady that was killed by a, by a, a bad judgment call on a hunter that probably didn't have any experience. Um, they exploit all this stuff and, and they exploit a, plenty of other things. How, right. What, what is your take on like being a, a Washington resident and seeing all this take place and like, how, what, what's your perspective, and how do you reflect on it? I, I don't know how to even ask that question, but I hope that makes it, sense. Yeah, I've talked about it with some friends, and I was—I grew up here, um, and Washington in itself is a beautiful state. Oh, from, it totally is. Yeah. From where from where I live, you know, two hours, I'm at the ocean. An hour, half hour to an hour, depending on where I want to go. I could be in the mountains. Two hours, I'm in the desert. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you, you can see it all. But, like, the downside to Washington is the politics. And Washington State hasn't had a Republican governor, I want to say, since, like, 1980. Um, oh, really? It's been... I thought yeah. it was even further. I thought it was like when Abraham Lincoln was president. Um, no, <laughs> I don't even and, think Washington was a state then, but could be and wrong. Seattle hasn't had um, a Republican mayor in like 80 years or something like that. It's, it's you know, what the Western, there's the three counties, the three biggest counties in Washington are Pierce King and Snohomish. And they are, I would say 90, 85 to 90%. Um, Democrat run and they always have been and yeah it's you know for a long time there it, it wasn't horrible but something has shifted I would say in the past, past 10 years um, to where it's getting you know it, it's getting intolerable and I've had a lot of friends leave because of it um, mm -hmm. if my wife my wife is a sloth when it comes to some things and her family, I mean, my family is rooted here too, but her family's, her twin sister lives a block away. Her older sister lives two miles away. Um, and unless I could convince all of them to get up together and move, it ain't going to happen. Yeah. Um, it's tough, but, man. When, when your whole family is rooted in one area, it's a lot to ask, you know, yeah. because, because like, does your wife hunt? Uh, no, my, my, my wife actually was not an outdoors person at all until she met me, which is pretty funny because, um, sorry. Even your Quiet. dog's pissed about the Democrats, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
one of our first our, one of our first dates, I took her on this hike and um you know, we were up in the high alpine and uh, at one part we actually crossed what most people would consider a, a mountain goat trail and she took it like a champ. So I'm like, hey, you know, this this chick is awesome, right? Well, on the way down, she's like, you know, I've never hiked before, right? And I'm like, wow. are you kidding me? Because, you know, most people would have freaked out. She didn't freak out once. And I think that's what clinched it for me was that she was willing to try it. Now, she, you know, yeah. she loves camping. She loves hiking. Oh, nice. Um, Good. With our girls, the girls have expressed, you know, they, they love shooting and they want to go hunting. Um, so when, when the girls get old enough to hunt, they're only eight and six right now. But mom will probably come along she'll probably stay at camp. She doesn't, she likes eating the meat that I bring home, mm -hmm. but she doesn't want to see it dead. Yeah. That's kind of how my wife is. And, and I think that's what, that it kind of speaks to what I was getting at earlier with, you know, when you're asking somebody that's been rooted in a certain area for so long, the politics of hunting, if you're not a hunter are not going to be that big of a deal to you. You know what I mean? Right. right. And so, um, you know, and I, I do want to clarify a couple things because, when we're talking about like like you mentioned there hasn't been a Republican governor and I know the a couple episodes ago uh, I said uh, I, I, I got a couple of um, raunchy emails because I called the liberals a bunch of bedwetting liberals yeah, yeah. and here's the thing that that I want to address with that there is a big difference between your regular American Democrat and and liberals. And and I, I think that that's important as as we we talk about this. Like I don't I don't I think that it's important that we have two parties. I think it's important that we have Republicans and Democrats and and you know we have these different philosophies. And the problem that we have today is where your regular Democrat and your regular Republican hasn't shifted much over the right. last few decades. Liberalism has taken on this weird, extreme, left-wing, socialist aspect that is very un-American and very dangerous to the future of America. Does this make sense? Like, we're, oh, it, abso the, it absolutely makes sense. This is why you have – there is a much greater number of Democrats switching to the Republican Party than there is vice versa. And it's because right. your regular Democrats out there feel like they've been – They've been left in the dust. Your average Democrat is not the kind of person that is going to go out there and, and start promoting this woke culture bullshit. They're not going to be out there being anti-hunting activists. They're not like hostile vegans. This this stuff is, has come out of this, this uh, left-wing side that has gone to this very extreme place. It's as if they, ha they know nothing about history and what – Things like socialism and communism, what those have produced for lifestyles for people, like as, as if there's some kind of positive, um, there's there's like a positive outcome from that kind of mindset. There's not right. in the right. in the history of the world. There is nothing positive that comes out of a tyrannical government, and that's what this left wing stuff that goes so far. What you know that that this this extreme liberalism that we have now, um. They don't. It's like they don't understand that, or they think that somehow it's going to be different now by trying it. Your right. average Democrat in America does not behave that way. Like JFK would never be elected in the Democrat Party right now because he was too conservative. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I, I just kind of wanted to make that clarification because there's there's people on the right that have taken the the right uh, leaning side of things way too far too. But right. I'm a super conservative guy, and and I you know I, I would never. Even like there was a time in my life, I'll put it to you this way, Ross. Like there was a time in my life where I would have voted for a regular Democrat if I felt like they were the better individual over Republican. But today, I would never vote for a, a Democrat because they've all become crazed, extreme snowflake liberals that just want to be as destructive as possible to the 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 idea of freedom as they possibly can. Sorry, did I go too far? No, you didn't. And I I wanted to. Maybe interject. Emphasize what I what I meant when you know I, I said oh you know Washington hasn't had a, a Republican, and my, my reason for that is I believe there should be balance, and and that's why we have a multi-party system. Mm-hmm. When a state like Washington is dominated and ruled by Democrats for so long, I think you lose that balance. And absolutely. Absolutely, and, you do. And people don't see that, especially, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get into the the court systems and stuff that are happening here with just letting prisoners and, you know, people that are like 20 time felony offenders just go out of jail the next day. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's all part of the, the, the woke way far you know left system and what they're trying to create. I have no idea. But um, me neither, man. It, it's, you know, it's, our, it's like psychotic to me. Yeah, and our governor, uh, King Ings- King Inslee, who, <laughs> yes. I, I, who I don't care for, you know, like with the with the latest thing with the spring bear season, you know, he put he appoint well, appointed commissioners without actually going through the proper channels of appointing. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't talk to any hunting groups at all, and he appointed these new people who are basically anti-hunting and have an anti-hunting agenda. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. It, it is – I have – there is – I don't think that you could point out another state in the in the United States in which you have a more inappropriate designation of commissioners on any Fish and Game Commission or, or how what, you know, what, however the, the state describes that. Appointed, right. appointed commissioners – I, I don't know that you can top it what what you guys are experiencing in Washington and and they're not all bad they're, you've got some good ones right but you've got some that are inarguably anti-hunting people and and yeah. that, that is super inappropriate uh, inappropriate for a, for a wildlife commission I'm sorry it's just not yeah. it's not appropriate I've actually uh, been trying to get the ball rolling um, on some things Uh Basically, my idea is I want to sue the state for what they're doing because they're not they're not holding to the oath of their office. Um, and also, Jay Inslee, you know, those people should be recalled because he didn't he didn't properly go through the chain to, you know, of the Washington state um, constitution. constitution how they're yeah. to be, I've heard how that. they're supposed to be appointed. And I've been told by some people like, you know, they're right now uh, they're actually going through this thing about season setting and. From what I'm hearing, they're trying to abolish a bear season altogether. Yeah, oh, that, um, that's that's the goal. They're doing it. They're they're just not stupid about it. They're they're going about it by way of stepping stones. You know. Right. Let's and let's so start with told, spring bear. Oh, go ahead. 
so I've been told by a couple people that are, you know, really involved with it that they're basically waiting for that last, you know, thing to fall so they could, you know, they don't want to be what, premature what do you mean? right now. What, what do you mean? Well, they're, they're waiting for the last thing to fall. They're, they're waiting for like, if they actually say, Hey, we're not going to have a bear season. Then these people who I've been talking to already have, you know, people ready to sue the state, but they're waiting for that actual um, decision, I guess, which gotcha. in my in my mind is, you know, why wait? We already know they're wrong. We can prove they're wrong. Um, if science is on our side and they're not listening to the science, they don't want to listen to the actual physical bio- biologists. They want to listen to social science. Well, social science has nothing to do with the animals on the, on the mountain. And, mm-hmm. um, but I've been told to kind of hold off and wait. And I guess I'll just help support the guys that know more than me and wait till that last. I always thought that I, I always thought that there was some way to litigate that it, from from the perspective of the the science says this, but you're doing that. Right. It, and and so I I don't and again I'm I'm not even close to a lawyer. Did you know you could become a lawyer without going to law school? By the way. I had no idea. Yes, if you can pass the bar, you can become an attorney without without going to law school. Um, anyway, that's a side note. I found that pretty interesting because <laughs> I, I looked up like how hard is a bar, and I'm looking at some of the questions. I, I feel like I could do okay, but I don't think I could pass. Yeah, <laughs> I'd get like thirty <laughs> percent. So one of the guys that I've been talking to about this, he actually is a lawyer, uh-huh. and I'm not I'm not going to say his name because he actually threw his hat in this last. Um, in this last round, he's buddies with someone of the house from the house, and they, he threw his hat in there to be a commissioner. Mm-hmm. And it got back to him flat out because he's been part of um, helping with uh, season settings and you know other hunting things. I, I don't want to say too much because it would probably point to who he is, but um, but it's somebody that, that has legitimacy in what they're talking about as a commissioner, were they to be appointed. And flat out, it got back to him. He was not going to be considered at this time because he is a hunter. Yeah, that's that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. See, I think yeah. it. I don't think they need to be avid hunters. They don't have to be like like you and I, who you know. I, I feel like you and I, because I follow you on social media. You follow me. Like we're pretty wrapped up in hunting, right? It's our life. Right. Yeah. And so I, I don't feel like they need to be to that level. But I think that they do need to have some hunting experience to have some kind of grasp on what the reality of hunting is. Not yeah. some misconstrued leftist Hollywood kind of perception like we're out there shooting Bambi as he jumps across that little uh, that little gully or whatever in the, from that from that movie. Uh, right. And we're starting wildfires and killing them all and, and, you know, shooting the mom. And, you know, I, I think that there should be people that there should be some level of prerequisite involved that, that where they, they maybe they have notched a tag. Maybe they've been right. on a on a pheasant hunt or they, they've been on a deer hunt and, and they've, they, they have some kind of realistic view as to – what the sense of being a hunter is and what it means to us. You know what I mean? Right. Not not right. just not just harvesting meat, 
what hunting yeah. means to us from a very natural and, and primal way, you need to go do it in order to, to feel that. Because I, I guarantee if you if you were able to take some of these like PETA folks or these these extreme anti hunters and and take them out for a couple of days and hunt a deer and explain right. to them that why you know the the breeding cycles of a deer and what they eat and where they're right. going to lay and the, the type of habitat that makes them thrive and and then actually lay that animal down and and start harvesting that meat and take it home and and hold those hold those antlers in their hand and they can have an open mind about it i think that they would change their mind but that's yeah. the problem you have commissioners that have never actually been on a hunt Yes. That's crazy. And, and they're probably the same people who grew up watching all those Disney movies where Oh yeah. Every hunter in every Disney movie is a bad person. Yep. Remember <laughs> Gustav, the, the Gustav from uh, the the Beauty and the Beast? Yep. Uh, yeah. You know, and and they they dramatize the fact that he wants the the heads on the wall and all that in that song and make him make him this like egomaniac kind of thing and then they portray us in in regular movies that aren't even disney cartoons or whatever they portray us as like yeah you remember i was as a kid um crocodile dundee loved that movie right and but but they portrayed those hunters going out spotlighting the kangaroos and crocodile dundee's the savior he shoots the the lights out or whatever um which i agree if, if people are out poaching kangaroos yes um, but that's what they portray as. They don't say they're poachers, they're 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 hunters or whatever. Um, actually, I think in that movie that he does call them poachers, if I remember right. It's been a long time, dude. I'm getting right, old. Yeah, I haven't seen Crocodile in any long time either. Dude, I watched it like ten years ago, and I remember thinking, man, this old school. This is this is some old school shit here, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anyway, it's really frustrating, and I can't imagine how frustrating it would be from somebody like you, your standpoint, you know, as a resident. It is frustrating. Um, it makes me, uh, I, I really, you know, want to get out to other states more and, and hunt more, but, you know, now even those states are making it harder for non residents to get in. Um, mm-hmm. to hunt and, you know, yeah, it's frustrating. And I think it's going to take, sadly, I don't, I don't think this thing is anywhere near over and it's going to take the bottom of the barrel, just like everybody else when they, when they're going through bad things in life to actually show the light of what really, what hunting really is and, um, how beneficial it is. And, because in and my mind, people I, be open to, to listening to that is the is the challenge, you know. Yeah, like my in-laws, love them to death, really good people. They are staunch Democrats. I would not say they're staunch liberals, but they're you know they're staunch Democrats. And you know we we get into this talk all the time about you know hunting and and all this stuff, and it's frustrating. They respect me. Because they know how I treat the animals, you know, they know I just don't go out there and just fling bullets at everything, you know, and we eat it here and they'll, they'll eat it as well. Um, and it's going to take, you know, moments like that to, to turn the tide. But there's just so many people who, I guess the word is wacky. Yeah. They just, they just, it's, they've 
adopted and been mind melded into what everybody's teaching them that we're hunting is not good for animals. And Mm -hmm. part of that makes me sad. And I, everybody listening, it's up to us to instill hunting into our kids. Now maybe our kids won't grow up to be hunters, but at least hopefully they will respect it. Yep. And when it comes to those issues, you know, they'll be like, Hey, you know, my uncle or my dad or my, you know, whatever, they were really good. And you know, it's not what all these people are saying, but the way things, these negative things just keep being jammed down the throats of all these people, especially with social media and young impressionable binds. If we're not there in the other ear, mm-hmm. eventually, sadly, it might come to a point where hunting is going to be non-existent. A which thing of the past, yeah. I, I mean, I hope that does not happen, obviously, and I will fight tooth and nail. You know, my wife told me if they were to outlaw hunting, would you still go hunting? And I'm like, you know, I'm a law-abiding citizen. I abide by the rules. When it came to that, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That'd be a tough decision. You know what I mean? Well, I no, I, I know exactly what you mean, and I know I know exactly how to answer that question too. Um, okay. It, it, I'm a law-abiding citizen as long as the laws are within the framework of our constitutional rights. And, right. and what I mean by that, let's say, let's say the uh, the these um, I'm going to call it. A, I'll, I'll say it again this week. These bedwetting liberals. Let's right. say they pass a ban on what they call assault weapons. I'm sorry, I I won't comply with that. I'm right. a law-abiding citizen, but I will not comply with that. And and to come out. After after you know many decades of the North American model of wildlife conservation and, and the fact that hunters have brought these species back from the brink of extinction to come out and say that hunting is bad or that you shouldn't eat meat, so we're gonna we're gonna outlaw all this stuff. I'm sorry, that is not something I will comply with. Right. That, because that, that does not fall within the framework of a free society and a free man or a free woman that lives in America. Kiss my ass. Yeah, I, I hear you, and I guess I should elaborate on my thought. Sometimes I'm not really good at explaining my original thought. My thought, my my thought is like how things are going right now, with eliminating the bear season, and or possibly even cougar seasons down the road. Mm-hmm. Anybody who doesn't think that if you stop hunting predators, that the prey is not going to pay the price, you're, I don't know what world you're living in, but that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and. Where, where I feel it's going to happen is, okay, they're going to stop us from shooting bears legally, and they're going to stop us from shooting cougars, which is just going to decimate all the ungulate populations to where my problem would be if the deer and elk population is not sustainable to hunt, that's where I have my problem. Yeah, like, it would almost... Because I, I care more about the deer and elk that I wouldn't want to be one who'd wipe them out. Yeah, no, I, I feel the same way, and I think that that's where it, it falls upon us, where where we would feel like we had this duty to go do predator management, whether the state said we could or not. Does that make right. sense? Because yeah. that's that's where it's fallen out of line with reality and science. And so yeah. anyway, I, I I think I think we uh, 
we might have raised some eyebrows with with some of this discussion, but it's something I think that every hunter thinks about. We we all yeah. think about that kind of stuff, and there's got to be a solution outside. You know, if, if the government gets out of hand, there 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 has to be uh, things that you think about to ensure that that we do have the abundance in wildlife and the in the abundance right. in public lands and and things like that. Like we we have to we have to consider from a very macro level uh, what what options we have going forward because they are not going to stop. They're not right. going to stop, and they're just they're they're just going to keep like it's almost like nickeling and diming you to death kind of thing, you know, the death by a thousand cuts. Right. Uh, however, whatever analogy you want to use with that, but taking away Washington Spring Bear Hunt was a start, and yeah. and that's that's not going to stop. So, anyways, brother, uh, I've kept you over an hour here. I apologize. Hey, it's not a problem. I my wife and kids are off with their sisters. I'm just I just you know, dinking around the house. So yeah, <laughs> I can't really, I can't really do much. Normally I'd be, you know, cutting or sawing or something, but I broke my arm and so I'm kind of, Oh, you broke your arm. Well, my wrist really. Uh, when did yeah. you do that? Uh, it happened on July 2nd. Um, oh, no, exactly we a month were, ago. Yeah. We were down, uh, at my in-laws, uh, they live down in long beach and there's a, a, <laughs> cement trail there that you know goes the length of the beach and we were riding bikes and i had my bird dog with me creek and he was on the right side on his of the bike you know i was hanging on to his leash as we were going and uh he was loving it he was he was just loving being able to just haul butt mm-hmm. anyway every, down there um they have these sea approaches where cars can drive to the beach and every time this path crosses those sea approaches on each side of the trail, there's those metal posts that they put in the trail so cars won't drive down them. Well, ironic timing, whatever you want to call it, we were coming through that sea approach and just getting on the trail on the other side, approaching that where that metal post is in the middle, and a bird flew up on the left side of the trail. I was on the right side of the trail, and my dog was on the right side of the bike. And he saw that bird and he took off in front of me to where his i should have just let go of the leash and everything would have been okay but yeah. I, I didn't but who thinks and about that in the moment <laughs> his, his his leash caught my tire pulled me towards that metal beam and i lifted my foot just in time but that metal post caught the pedal and put me ass over tea kettle and when i landed oh, you know with my wrist man. yeah broke my wrist and uh um Anyway, I've been out, not really to do much. Um, I found finally, and this is the other thing that frustrates me with the medical system. If I had my way, it'd be like you go from your doctor to your specialist to your surgery, you know, bam, 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 one day after the next or even all on the same day. But, you know, I go to see my doctor. They're like, yeah, it's broken. Um, we're going to send you to see a specialist. Well, I can't get in and see the specialist for another week, maybe two weeks. And then I see him, and he's like, yep, um, but there's something else I want to look at. We need to do an MRI. Well, I can't get the MRI for another week after that. And then to go back to see the results of the MRI is another week. You know, it just makes this whole process super long. And meanwhile, you know, my wrist is basically, according to the doctor, 85% healed, except I guess um, I had this tendon issue 
uh, I can't open my hand all the way. Oh um, no, man! And that's what they're that's what they're looking at with the MRI. If they're gonna have to have surgery to clear the way for that tendon, which huh. sucks because obviously July and in August I'd be practicing my archery, but I can't even hold. Yeah, the that's what I was gonna say. Are you gonna be? You, you think of Do you have a Do you have a tag for September? Or I do. I do. Yeah. Do you? Well, I just have a general general deer deer, deer tag. But so for elk, um, are you going rifle then? I am. You might you might want to switch that. I don't know if you can, but switch that, no, uh, that bow tag to a rifle, man. Uh, well, so that's for hard. the deer that's, tag, that's hard. That's hard. So for the deer, so for the deer tag, I actually um, Washington has this thing called the multi season tag that you put in for. Oh yeah, I've um, heard of that one. You got that one, huh? Yeah, so I got the multi season, so I can actually hunt all the seasons. But I really oh, was sweet. looking forward, really looking forward to getting out there September first and. Um, but who knows if that's well, gonna happen? I mean, that's that's a rough one, buddy. I my my buddy uh, my buddy Steve Johnson, who's uh, one of my favorite guys to elk hunt with. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing, but he like cranked his uh, his ankle or his his lower leg or so. He's in a brace on his leg, and I'm all texting him the other day. I'm like, dude, you know, we got like, you know, it's it's a month out. We're, pl- we're him and I were planning a little hunt uh, as soon as September archery elk opened up and now i'm i'm worried about a man so steve if you're listening to this you better be doing what the doctor says in terms of getting that sucker healed up yeah so uh and same to you ross other than i i do get the frustration where you're waiting for an mri and then you got to wait for mri results and yeah it's it's that's kind of a shit show but um anyways i uh well keep us posted on that man i'm i'm super interested to hopefully get healed up quick and and uh you're going on like week six of that so i i mean i feel like you should be good to draw a bow back by by september i don't know i don't know i've never never broken a wrist i I tried i could hold my bow the other day but as soon as i started drawing back and that pressure hit that back of my you know that thumb it Mm -hmm. i i couldn't hold it so it'll be you might have to do you might have to do what dirk durham did man get the mouth tab do a little mouth tab madness. I think that's well, what he called him. Unless it's the wrong, is it the wrong handed? It's the wrong hand. Oh dang so it! I'd, I'd have to go. I'd have to go get a left handed bow or learn to. You know, yeah. I, yeah. I thought about it because yeah, yeah. there was somebody else who just went did the mouth tab thing too. I can't remember who it was. I don't um, know. I don't know. I saw I, I saw videos of a guy who was doing the mouth tab thing too, and if it, you know, if it would have been my right hand. So I could hold my bow with my left hand, I would have probably learned to do the mouth tab thing. But mm-hmm. because you know I hold my bow with my left hand, I can't can't do it. Well, we'll uh, let's like I said, keep keep us posted. I'd love to know how that kind of turns out, and hopefully hopefully you're uh, back on your well. Uh, I mean, at least at ninety percent by September one, and you can you can draw that bow back and go from there. Because were you going to go after a mule deer? Was that yes. was that the goal? Yeah. High, like a high country Washington mule deer, which is absolutely amazing. Well, the first the first uh, part of September, the area I hunt, they're, they they call them bench leg bucks. They're they're a cross between a muley and a blacktail. Mm-hmm. Um, they're probably predominantly mule deer, but um, there is there are some places up there where there are some blacktail. But yeah, it's just on that Pacific Crest Trail rim up there, so. 
I guess if you're okay. totally on the east side, they're totally considered uh, mule deer. But if you get it on that west side of the trail, they're yeah, a bank. yeah. Well, one thing I know about Washington, man, they have you, you guys have some big ass mule deer. Um, so oh oh, that's not true. That's not true. Okay, that was Oregon. I meant to say Oregon. So I said it wrong. <laughs> Ross, my brother, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. That was a fun discussion. Um, no, I appreciate you having me. For all you listening, check it out. Uh, Crazy Elk Company. Is is it? Uh, do you have a website, Ross? Is it just crazyelkcompany.com or? It's it's yeah. It's www.crazyelkcompany.com, and we're on Instagram at the Crazy Elk Company. Yeah. And we also have a YouTube channel. Uh, that's the crazy elk company. Oh, I'll check out your YouTube, man. I haven't checked out your YouTube yet. Uh, so, so everybody jump on there, check out, uh, there, there's two things I think you guys should check out listening. The, he has, he has the hat that has the, uh, reed diaphragm reed holder on the side. So if, if you've got your reeds, you can stick it in that and it'll help kind of dry him out as you're hunting and whatnot. I'll take a picture and post it on social media, how that looks. I'll put my Maverick in there. Um, and then the other thing is that tag wallet. It's going to come with the things that you need to strap that thing to the antler base or like a, if, if you're shooting a cow, you got a cow or a doe tag, uh, you can you can just attach it to the leg or whatever. Um, but it, it makes it super easy, and I highly recommend you guys check it out. So, Ross, again, thanks a bunch for coming on the show, and let's keep in touch, man. Hey, no problem. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely give you a call uh, about that bird hunt. For sure. <laughs> made it all the way to the end thank you so much for tuning into the show we sure appreciate your support this is jim huntsman signing off and reminding you to check us out at instagram at the western huntsman and on facebook at the western huntsman and you can also check out the website at thewesternhuntsman.com thanks again we'll see you guys next time stay western and i'll see you on the mountain